Well, welcome to the Firearms Trainer Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and today we'll be talking about non-lethal training. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the ConcealedCarry.com Firearm Instructor Network. ConcealedCarry.com is always looking for quality firearm instructors across the country to join the network. As a network instructor, you can take advantage of ConcealedCarry.com's advertising platform to fill your classes. Visit class.concealedcarry.com and click on instructor to learn more and see if it would be a good fit for you. Again, visit class.concealedcarry.com for more information. Today, we are joined by Jeremy Hansenkamp from Ultimate Training Munitions or UTM. Welcome, Jeremy. How are things going for you? Hey, Rob. Things are going great. Thanks for having me on the show, and I really, uh, really appreciate it. And uh, Thanks for the stuff you're doing for firearms instructors and creating that uh, education piece. Well, thank you. Well, hey, I know um, not everybody out there probably knows who uh, Jeremy Hansenkamp is and UTM. Can you give our listeners just a little overview of what you do and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I spent about uh, 23, 22 years uh, with the Oregon State Police out in Oregon, Um, you know, started uh, training, uh, instructing firearms in about 99, 2000 uh, for the department, Uh, just kept continuing my education, spent a little bit of time running around the SWAT team. did a lot of rifle and pistol instruction for the department. Uh, that kind of led me to, I was always looking for what's the next best way to train? You know, how do we make this better? Uh, there were some incidents that I was involved in or had friends involved in, and there were some questions from that. So that I, I basically started looking into, you know, education uh, outside of my department, came across Force Science. Um, if you don't follow Force Science, I highly recommend it. For anybody out there that's you know involved in either investigating or teaching uh, regarding deadly force incidents, uh, but I got certified in a, a few things through force science, and I it led me to believe you know what there, we need another way of <clears throat> of uh, teaching besides just live fire. Started looking out there for what was available. Obviously, you know we've all heard of certain products. Uh, you know competitors to Ultimate Training Munitions have been out there for a long time. I came across Ultimate Training Munitions in about 2011. Um, our department, uh, I got the SWAT team to switch over to it because we had, you know, an unfortunate incident, an injury caused with some competitors munitions. So, uh, went to ultimate training munitions, uh, thought, man, this is great. We were able to test tactics. Um, so I went through a lot of their programs, became an instructor for them. Uh, also, you know, sought out some of the big names in the industry and, uh, you know, ultimately two years ago, I came on board full time with ultimate training munitions as a, uh, the regional sales manager and, and lead trainer. Um, I've been teaching the instructor programs now for, for a few years, as well as I've uh, been training with ultimate, you know, the, as we'll talk about, as we go through UTM is not just the products. Uh, we like to also impart our training methodology uh, to the people that use our products because we feel that it's the best way to train holistically. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been through a few different, uh, you know, through a lot of different instructors stuff. I was a master taser instructor for taser. I also, uh, you know, use of force, um, expert for the union uh, back when I was doing that. I, and I've also 
with for science and certified analyst, which is basically a 10 week program. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm big on human behavior, human physiology, kinesiology, you know, as that applies to, you know, deadly force incidents and just, uh, you know, use of force incidents in general. I, I always looked at, you know, there's a better way to do it and we need to make critical thinkers out of our students. That's, that's really, really great. Um, bring a lot, lot of, uh, experience and background to our listeners on the show, which, uh, I think will be good be very well used today with uh, some of the questions I had for you. Uh, okay. You were, you were talking about, um, you know, human psyche and, and things like that. How does a product like UTM help us when it comes to training? Because it's not the same as just using airsoft and shooting one another like that. It, it takes you to a whole different level when it comes to the human psyche. Can, can you describe that? I can. Yeah. So uh, one of the things you, you look at is uh, we spend a lot of time on our individual skills and, what you'll find from force science is, you know, they'll talk about internal skills uh, and, uh, you know, external focus and internal focus. Obviously, when we're talking about an internal focus, we're looking at, you know, looking within. So that thing about the first time you drove a car, you weren't looking out at the road. You're more worried about, okay, how do I do this? How do I reach up and, you know, grab the gear shifter, put it into drive? where, you know, you didn't know where the gas pedal was really, you kind of had to feel around a little bit. So you're really within and really focusing on how you do something yourself. Whereas, you know, we start looking external at, as you got used to it, now you're looking at, um, you know, the road more, you're picking your lines in the corners, uh, you're thinking ahead to, you know, is that light going to change? Is it not going to change? Which lane do I need to be in? Do I need to worry about somebody that's All these things that you're now, you don't have to think about the controls of the car. You're very in control of it. And now you're able to think way ahead and you're able to pre-plan and look for, you know, not just, you know, the out of the ordinary stuff, not just the the everyday stuff. So that's what what I look at. And when I look at how we're doing things with live fire, realistically, if we only keep our, um, our instruction in the uh, live fire realm, all we can really work on is those internal skills, meaning I'm not even really taken into a fact realistically. There is some drills in some ways that you can find yourself, you know, reacting to the environment, but it's also artificial. Um, when I look at it, I, I'm, I'm saying, you know, uh, I'm just trying to get myself faster, right? I, I think that there's you know, I may need to be this fast to, to beat the bad guy to the punch, right? Well, when you start looking at action versus reaction, it's better to read the situation and be two steps ahead than to be trying to gun it out, right? Um, no matter how fast somebody is, it's always going to be a tie at best because the bad guy is always initiating, if that makes sense. So when we look at NLTA, when I, say, when I refer to NLTA, I'm talking about non-lethal training ammo. That's just what we've uh, you know, Fletzy has adopted that terminology. It's not Sims training. It's not force on force training, right? Because that connotates a certain type of training. When I talk about NLTA training, it could be anything. It could be airsoft. It could be UTM. It could be the competitor's products, right? But it also could be blanks. Um, we have some very robust blank program or blanks uh, and the ability to use them that I'll talk about in a little bit. But when we get into, you know, realistically, we talk about the human psychology. I want to know all the moves a bad guy's going to make, right? Uh, you know, I had, I was talking to California Department of Corrections, parole and probation folks, 
And I think they said that they had, you know, like 250,000 offenders. And I, I could be off on the number, but 250,000 offenders on caseload throughout the state, um, somewhere in that. Now, those are the people that are highly likely to injure or, you know, they're, they're highly likely to reoffend and do something criminal against somebody else, right? I cannot pattern each and every one of them and know how they do something. So I have to lump things into generalities. And the reality of it is, is the human can, humans can only move in so many different ways. And there's always some sort of pre-indicator of some sort of attack. So mm-hmm. uh, most folks are getting their information on how people attack them from where, you know, there's some very good channels out there like uh, ASP, you know, with, with John Korea. Mm-hmm. That's a very good channel. He does a lot of good video breakdowns. Um, they're getting it from Hollywood. Right. Uh, you know, we see a lot of things about how the bad guy is going to attack and then, you know, what they can do. You know, obviously they're throwing bullets around corners and all that, all that happy, fun stuff that Hollywood, you know, puts out there. But that's where they're, they're building what we would call schema. That's where they're building their pattern of what it's going to look like when a bad guy attacks. Um, and maybe if they're, you know, like law enforcement, maybe it's from their academy scenarios. And um, a lot of times with academy scenarios, they want everything to be a win. So, now you have them all going up against uh, bad guys that their feet are stuck in the mud. They're, you know, uh, super drunk. So they're really slow, uh, you know, because they want even the, the weakest student to get a win. Uh, the problem with all of those is they don't teach us what the reality is, what it looks like. And even when you get into NLT, there's going to be some, uh, it's not going to be like it may be in real life, but it's going to be very close if you script your role players the right way. Um, and so we talk about NLTA, I have the ability to spend um, what I like to, you know, I'm looking at, you know, breaking down training, you know, I, I break it into thirds and I'll spend, you know, I want to see my folks spend a third of the time and just force on target working on their individual skills. That second third, what I'm looking at is that's where they're learning how the bad guy moves, attacks them, right? They're looking for all those things that make it so that they can identify that this is outside the norm. We interact with people normally every day. We know what normal movement looks like. So uh, when we use NLTA, I can now stick bad guys out in front of the gun. Uh, If we did that with real ammo, obviously we know what would happen to our businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, If we're going to, you know, we just can't work in that realm. Yes, we can do something with simulators. Simulators cost a lot of money. Um, You still get some, you know, they're not as realistic as you know, putting a real person in front of in front of somebody because, you know, there's always jerkiness in the video. You know, they just don't move like a real normal person. The video well, cuts you can out. Only do, only do so much, too. You know, the video, yeah. same thing's going to happen every time, uh, you know, that you're hitting play. You know, you got snare A, B, and C, and that's the way it goes. Absolutely. And the bad guy only attacks you three different ways because that's mm-hmm. all the videos you have. Whereas with role players, putting them out front, we call this force on role player in the UTM training model. But force on role player is... I can put my students shooting marking rounds and my bad guys, they are going to shoot a gun. They shoot blanks back at them. So with our protective gear, they can get fairly realistic. I can even get more realistic if I, you know, work on some things, you know, depending on what I have access to. Um, and even with just doing blank training and having a role player act a certain way, uh, you know, the student starts building up that catalog of what it looks like when somebody is truly trying to injure or kill them. And it's not just from videos. It's not just from the four scenarios that they got in the academy. 
we can run those over and over and over. And I can have one time the role player draws the gun from the waistband. Next time the role player draws the gun from a, a you know, an outside the waistband holster or the back pocket, uh, all these, you know, they feign like they're going along with something and they spring the sudden attack. So there's no better way to learn that than from the firsthand experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can watch it third person all day long, but you're not there feeling it, touching it, smelling it. Well, hopefully you're not tasting it, but yeah. anyway. Um, but still, so have, using see, the senses. See, seeing the barrel, you know, actually point, you know, at your eyes and things like that. You know, I mean, even though you've got a protective eye shield on, everything else like that, you know that it's not going to, you know, kill you. But having, yeah. having that experience is uh, eye-opening, to say the least, because, uh, you know, m- most times we, know we never get, get to that point because we never point, you know, a firearm, you know, at somebody. Absolutely. And there is a whole, you know, there's, there's everything that goes with, I mean, if you read Grossman's books, uh, you know, on killing and all that, you know, obviously the farther you would get away from uh, having to pull the trigger and all that, you know, the less trauma there is. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're talking, most of these engagements we're talking about in the self-defense situation are right up there. And so inherently we as human beings don't like to kill each other. If we're, if you're any, you know, have a shred of, you know, decency, we don't yeah. want we're not, to kill. We're not homicidal. That's that, yeah, goes we're not against, homicidal. that goes against our nature. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and citizens that are you know, going out there and arming themselves or law enforcement, you know, they're not there to go try and kill somebody. In fact, they're the complete opposite. They want to defuse the situation because they are, you know, uh, normal human beings that think, think rationally. So, mm-hmm. uh, so when you look at that, you know, we do need to take that surprise factor away to not know what it's like to be in that situation. And you would be surprised the reactions that we get, <clears throat> even from very highly trained, uh, professionals in, uh, you know, with, with live fire, they do it all the time. They do live fire shooting around people in you know, team environments. And then we throw them getting shot at with blanks with nothing but eye protection on and you get naturalistic reactions. And so it's that ability to see and perceive that threat out in front of you or what you think might be a threat, um, not knowing that, you know, the downrange is straight in front of you. The downrange could actually be off to the side because that's where your threat is attacking. Or, you know, just think about in terms of putting an innocent person and a role player out there to be the bad guy. And now you have more to, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, this is going to be a shoot or a no shoot. It's another thing to now go, not only do I have to process shoot, no shoot, I also have to think about what is my lane of fire. And we talked mm-hmm. about the four cardinal safety rules. But how do we ever really train, uh, be sure of your target, and what is beyond it? That's mostly a rule on the range, but how often do you actually train it to where somebody's now having to consider, oh, this probably isn't the best time to shoot. I need to change position, and then now I'm capable of taking that shot if need to be to save my life or someone else's. And, and to be and, able to assess the situation if, in case, you know, instead of one shooter, you've actually got two shooters, you know, you, yeah, and you can, you can switch up the scenarios like that. Absolutely. You know, the real out, the reality is you start looking at, you know, and I'm a big statistics guy as well as, you know, you look at the, the times that there are multiple shooters is very, very, very little, but where we, you know, really fall down on and what we need to focus on, I, I think is, you know, when we're looking at it, especially in law enforcement, right. We're having a lot of blue on blue shootings. And, you know, a lot of that is how do we teach, you know, the be sure of your target and what is beyond it. Um, you know, there is a lot of, 
of glossing over it or talking about it, but we don't actually allow them to do it under stress. And that's one of the things that some of the studies that I talk about in my, I do a free four hour um, seminar, instructor update seminar, and there's studies that are out there, you know, and if as instructors, if you're not looking at the most current studies and what they're saying about deadly force incidents, you can, you can bet that given all of the controversy surrounding law enforcement officers right now, that is going into training also. Right. And I would agree that, you know, there needs to be some changes, not the types of changes that, you know, some certain groups would be advocating for. But I think that, you know, when I go around and talk to a lot of law enforcement agencies, I see so little reality-based training. They're spending a lot of time on the live fire range. Uh, And that's all good and dandy. And that's because they can shoot to a standard, right? It's very easy and it's very objective to shoot to a standard. You got so many holes inside the 10 ring, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like the physical standard, which is tied to job specificity, uh, the firearms has not evolved and we have not changed with that to make it job specific or job, uh, you know, some job specificity, Uh, meaning, you know, I may need to make a shot with somebody in the way and I need to make that decision that, no, this isn't a good time to take it. You know, anyway, that's a whole other topic, but where I'm, where I'm going with this is um, it's, it's one of those things that it allows us to do so many different things that are, are more engaged around um, stress, stress inoculation, and for them to build a catalog of all the different ways that someone can attack them. And so when they see something in real life, there's no guessing, hemming or hawing, is this the way somebody's going to attack me? They can say 100%. I know because this has happened and these were all the pre-attack indicators that they were able to, to observe firsthand up close and watch and then even uh, go back and, and debrief with the instructor to go, well, did you see this? Well, no, I didn't. You know, and it's funny how you will see a lot of different things even as the instructor that you're like, hey, this is how my life, I can make my live fire stuff better because there is ways that we differentiate and break down our firearms training classes. When you look at a grand scheme of things, certain things have such a low probability of coming up. Yes, we need to make sure that they understand, know how to do them. But if we would spend more time in certain other areas, uh, it would allow us to have more streamlined class and our students would come out better and, and perform better in real life incidents. Um, so, you know, that's, so, so that's what I'm, human physiology and all that, that, that's what I'm looking at when I, why I say, you know, NLTA is good. And then the third facet of that is, you know, where, when people typically use non-lethal training ammo is kind of where they maybe hit a little bit in it. And that is where I take my internal skills, you know, all the skills that I've done in the first third of training, right? Um, all where I've got an internal focus and all I'm worried about is, you know, how fast I reload, how fast I can hit the target in one round, how fast I can do, you know, how, how fast my splits are. Um, and so then the second part is where I'm putting that up, you know, I'm looking and I'm learning what the opponent's going to do. You know, that's where I'm really focused. I'm really not focused as much. I mean, I get a chance to, to work on my internal skills versus somebody and pick the right, select the right program to apply against that opponent. And sometimes that could be movement. Sometimes that could be drawing, you know, just different things, but I'm really focusing on learning. I call it threadology. Uh, I'm learning the threat. It's the study of the threat. And that's what my whole goal is in that second third. Now, the third is where 
really, I don't know what's going to come up. That's kind of what I call the testing phase. You do it a little bit on force on force, but it's really scenario based at that point. That scenario base is where um, I'm taking, you know, three, four, four skills that I've taught the students. I'm going to put them, I'm going to sprinkle them into that scenario and I'm putting a storyline to it. You know, this could be a little bit longer, you know, Hey, you got to go to the grocery store. They don't know where the, the four teaching points are going to pop out. But it's somewhere in that scenario, those four teaching points are going to pop out through a deadly force encounter, maybe a de-escalation. And, you know, that's where they get the, no, the go, no-go. You know, can they identify the pattern coming out of the situation, um, you know, of the storyline? And can they select the right skill that they've been training on at the right time and apply that against that threat and then come out on the winning end? Um, so that's what the, the third the the third uh, third of training, if you will, you know that's internal skills versus environment, right? Um, mm-hmm. In putting those up again, so that that's really when I look at you know those should all be evenly balanced. But when I go around and I talk to law enforcement officers that I've uh, you know and I, I bring that up only because that's been our main focus, you know, as a regional sales manager and and training is mostly in that law enforcement realm. And I've pulled a lot of officers as I've been traveling around when I run this scenario this this the seminar. And when I say, are you guys breaking it down this way? And they'll say, no, really, I'm in the 90, the good ones uh, that I see are pretty progressive. They're spending about 95% of the time live fire and maybe 5%. But when they do do NLTA, it's all in that third quarter, that third, uh, third. Um, You know, they don't spend a lot of time on learning what threats are doing. And so Mm -hmm. one of the studies that came out, it's a study out of uh, Dallas, Texas, they did a review of the Dallas PD study, uh, Dallas PD shootings. And basically the takeaways were, um, you know, we need to do more firearms training in what they called the Hogan's Alley style, right? The, the scenario village, you know, where uh, not just judging marksmanship, but also judging decision-making in a very realistic manner. Uh, and so that was very interesting on that. And then you look at the Leoka law enforcement officers killed and assaulted in the line of duty, that study, uh, it basically says, you know, a lot of times officers were caught in a reactive situation, right? We don't mm-hmm. want our officers or anybody, even any of our students, even if they're civilian side, we don't want them to be caught in that reactive mode because that's when, uh, you know, you've probably heard it referred to as the puppy brain, the limbic system. That's when it takes mm-hmm. over. And, you have an equation that the the brain basically starts filling in gaps. And when the brain fills in gaps under stress, that's when we make mistakes. Um, when we are in our more cognitive brain and have time to process and evaluate information, what our puppy brain says was, oh gosh, this is a dire emergency situation because of where we put ourselves we resort to what we know best and what we know is going to have a higher likelihood of saving us from deadly, from serious bodily injury and or death. Uh, that's where we, you know, tend to resort to deadly force. Whereas if we'd had a little bit more time, we'd see there was other ways to get out of that, like walk over here and, you know, put more distance. But because we were in that reactive mode, we didn't do anything but default to, you know, our, our, our program that says save mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. So, which isn't always the best thing to do. It isn't always the best thing. And to that's do. where so, people armchair quarterback and say, could have done this, could have done this, could have done that. But if we could have, as you said, use our cognitive brain to process it, we probably would have made a better decision. 
Absolutely. And so that's where when I when I look at um, that study, you know, it says if if officers could have picked up the cues that they determined were probably there, they wouldn't have been in that reactive situation, right? I think about uh, when, when I think about, you know, putting hands on somebody quicker, right, in a lower force manner or being close, you know, there's this big thing where, oh, we need to create distance. We need to create distance. Well, I'll tell you, every time I get in a traditional FI position, when I say FI, you know, I'm referring to field interview position that everybody teaches and the way that, that uh, most coaches and the way most patrol tactics folks teach it, it puts us at about two arms length from where the highest likelihood a weapon is going to come from when dealing with an offender. Uh, because, you know, we want to be out of range of punches and kicks and this and that. Well, you know, there's ways to counter that. And when you start actually playing with it, um, we can take away that reactive mode to where it gives us more time and it's not necessarily getting distance. So that's one of the things that, you know, you got to play with and, and look at and, and try tactics out under every condition. And that's where we get into the, the reality-based training. You know, if we start rolling around with live guns and, and uh, bullets and whatnot, we, we're going to seriously injure or kill somebody. We're going to, you know, I mean, lots of, a multitude of, of bad things come from that, right? Exactly. And, uh, hey, Jeremy, I, got a, I think that's great information and such, but I think what's popping in my mind more and probably in our listeners right now too, where can I get this kind of training at? You know, if I'm a civilian instructor, if I'm a law enforcement instructor, where can I go along and, you know, get this kind of training, you know, from UTM and such in order to, you know, be able to offer this, you know, non-lethal training, uh, you know, uh, process? Yeah. So, um, as far as, you know, if there's people out there like, hey, you know, we've got the skills we've been through, you know, whether it's the competitors class or, um, or you know, they have a pretty good handle on it, they can basically you know, anybody can email me or even go onto our website under professional training organization. It's a two page document, in which they sign up. If they have a training business, uh, we will, you know, review that. Yes, they are a legitimate business. We send them the link to our online certification. And so they can take, you know, the online test. And once they have that test then they can purchase our product so they can go ahead and, you know, have our products, um, to use. Now, we don't require them to come through our instructor program, but what I can tell you about our instructor program is that we do give you other ideas on how to train. Uh, maybe it'd be a little bit different, you know, which obviously covers a lot of, of this, you know, the, the force on target, the force on role player, the force on force, um, and give you ideas on how to develop curriculum. And so, uh, as we have those in different parts of the country, we do post them up. If people are interested in actually doing an in-person class, um, you know, they can reach out to me and, and I can look at getting, getting something scheduled in their area. We do have minimums and maximums. Um, you know, so that's, those are the, the opportunities for them to get that, to get that training. There are some other great trainers out there that are doing, um, classes on force on force and reality-based training. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of them off the top of my head, but, you know, as far as instructor wise, you know, Again, uh, I'm trying, you know, I know the competitors do have a, you know, it's more of a scenario class. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, you know, Fletzy does do a, an NLTA instructor class for law enforcement, you know, so when they're up and running and they're offering classes. So uh, those mm -hmm. are the, the manners in which, you know, people can get those instructor classes. Um, you know, we haven't really been doing a ton of training right now, um, or, you know, just due to uh, manpower issues, but, um, you know, again, it, it all depends on, uh, you know, the area we'd love to come to certain areas and, and put on those instructor classes. 
Yep. Well, I will definitely uh, include links to our listeners out there in the show notes so that people can get a hold of you as well as, uh, you know, see about the training on the UTM uh, website. I'm looking at it right now. And there's uh, quite a bit of stuff that is uh, out there to learn, you know, from the conversion kits to uh, um, mm-hmm. training videos and such that um, somebody can go yeah. and, and find out more information. Really nice. Yeah, and we're we're posting more and more videos where we uh, for law enforcement instructors, um, you know, if they're interested, we are doing you know offering our free online certification for law enforcement instructors. Um, you know, so that's something we've been doing during this you know time of COVID nineteen, so that if they are low on instructor hours, at least they can get some hours that way. So more than happy to send that out to them. Um, if, you know, if you put that out, you know, put my email address, um, that's what I'm here for as a, as a resource, you know, so uh, they can reach out to me and I can get them that instructor. We just have to verify that they're a law enforcement instructor. As far as on the, on the PTO side, um, I have been doing some, you know, some online lives and, and whatnot to, you know, if they have any questions or we're posting videos on our Instagram and our, our Facebook pages and then also on YouTube. So there's some good ideas. And, and Tony Lombrea, uh, you know, the vice president, he's been doing a lot of stuff and, and gets around a lot of different places. So, you know, always uh, willing to help them be a resource for folks and teach them different ways they can use a product that enhances their training. Great. That is uh, great to know. Hey, got a question for you. I've been asking all our guests this year. What kind of books and websites uh, are you reading, watching, doing things like that to improve your uh your education, you know, obviously you've got a lot of education already, but is there any, anything specific that you're trying to brush up on this year or gain additional knowledge in? Well, I think like, uh, you know, most instructors and, and folks from the law enforcement military background, it's always the business part of it is always, uh, you know, we understand a lot of, of the teaching aspect, but the business aspect is uh, definitely something that is uh, very important. And so, you know, one of the things I've been looking at is a lot of ways to improve, you know, efficiency and, uh, you know, just vision and, and business stuff. So, um, you know, Jack Canfield is a great one. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of his book off the top of my head. Uh, but, uh, it's, Oh, the success principles, um, Jack Canfield, that's a great book to read. You know, as far as in the, the teaching realm, um, I would say if you are a firearms instructor and you are not following force science, um, I highly recommend force science. You know, they put out some great newsletters. They uh, are having some peer reviewed papers. And so when you start looking at, you know, what kind of information do I want to fall back on? Yeah, it's great. We have a lot of SMEs in the industry. But the courts, when they evaluate evidence, are looking for scientific backing. So if what you're teaching is not based on science and statistics, I highly recommend that you find some way to either, you know, bound your program in science. And so for science does that, they do a lot of uh, kinesiology stuff and, you know, they're finding other, because obviously, you know, there isn't a lot of money out there to do research as it applies to law enforcement, and not many people want to peer review papers that deal strictly with law enforcement. So, uh, they've been finding some some creative ways to get their papers peer reviewed. Um, so, I highly recommend reading the stuff they do. They they bring in the research papers and uh, and some some pretty big brains that do a lot of. Um, you know, do a lot of expert witness cases and, and whatnot, and they're putting them out in their news lines. 
uh, if you can, you know, if I was going to look at something, I would say a good starting point is to at least get into one of their certification courses if, if you have that ability. Um, and, you know, and that's just a start. If I was going to look at something, I would also look at, uh, you know, reading as far as, um, you know, I always want to improve my teaching points and also ensure that I understand, you know, a little bit more about the science behind it, which helps you in your teaching abilities. But um, <clears throat> looking at like, you know, people like Joan Vickers, and I'm trying to think, uh, Joan Vickers is, uh, you know, the quiet eye. Um, you know, she's, it's a kind of a dry read, but uh, it's definitely some good information there. You know, if it comes to, you know, uh, psychology of the brain and whatnot. And then uh, there's a book out there called uh, Motor Performance. Uh, and I, I, I wish I'd have had a little more time to, I'd, I'd gotten to you. So I mean, hopefully I've given you some resources and I'll, I'll try and uh, motor, I'm trying to remember the name of it right off the top of my head. Um, well, that's good. I mean, I'll, I'll include links to those because, yeah. uh, you know, every, every, all the guests this year have given out different points. And I think this is another one of those where people can kind of pick and choose whether they want to do, you know, business efficiency or, um, you know, going along doing teaching, you know, for science, uh, I will echo your, um, recommendation. They've got a lot of great information out there and they hold seminars around the country. You know, they don't always do the, um, 10 week classes everywhere. You got to go up, got to go to their campus, but at the same time you can go and, you know, do a week class or a couple day class, depending upon what they've got going and really find some very interesting information out about why the human body or, you know, does certain things or why the brain works certain ways. And, and they've got the science behind it to prove it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, motor learning and performance. That's the the name of the book. It's uh, Richard Schmidt and Timothy Lee. That's a, that's a good book and a good start. There's a lot of um, another one that I was just thinking about. And I think that this really, especially when we start looking at, you know, differing points and why people see things through certain lenses and whatnot. But, uh, you know, if you are into, you know, sociology and whatnot, I think that um, a great and phenomenal, I would highly recommend to everybody, you know, even to my students is uh, Malcolm Gladwell um, and uh, talking to strangers. It's his newest book. It really, you know, <clears throat> it's very interesting because, you know, especially in the, um, anyway, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good points that I can go on for forever on that, but it does look at differing points. You know, we all have different, different reasons why we do things in our life and everybody is built differently. And, you know, when you start um, trying to take things that are being taught in one part of the country, they don't necessarily translate to the other, especially when we're mm -hmm. talking about pre-attack indicators and, you know, evidence of criminal, uh, activity and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, that, <clears throat> that's a very interesting read and I think there's a lot of great points in that and it does, does touch on some law enforcement related stuff, but also it, it's just good for anybody in general that, uh, may need to talk to other people. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I appreciate that information. Uh, Jeremy, where can instructors find out more information about you and UTM? Uh, if they go to utmusa.com. And, uh, you know, we have all of our information on there. Uh, my contact information is on there. They can always email me. Um, I'm also on Instagram is uh, UTM underscore West. And then we also have our main, um, the main page for the company is at Ultimate Training Munitions on Instagram. And then we also have a Facebook page um, and YouTube. So, um, my email and contact information is on our webpage under contact. Uh, I'm the Western Region, again, Western Regional Sales Manager. 
I am always up for answering questions and providing information, whether it's on product or on training. And uh, I definitely can look at bringing a, a training instructor class to an area near you if you have enough enough interest in folks. And you cover both the western and the eastern side of the countries too. You know, if if we want to bring you to the east eastern side, or Tony would take the eastern side, something like that, right? It kind of depends on, you know, obviously if I have availability, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely uh, up for going over there, but uh, we do have, and we also have our Northeast reps and our Southeast rep. Uh, Northeast rep is Peter Manui. Um, He's up in New Jersey area. And then Rick Bell is in the Southeast. And so, uh, but as far as, you know, some of the instructor courses, typically I'm, I'm doing most of those or Tony has been doing most of those. Um, so yeah, w- we can always get something to the east or the west coast, and um, if, if nobody else is available, I'm always up to head to the east side too. You know, especially, uh, yeah, you know, um, every once in a while I was getting out to Alliance there, uh, you know, and so yep. great people out there and, and a great training. You guys got some great training going on out there in Alliance. Yeah, Joe, so. Joe does some good things up there in Alliance. So he does. Fact, he think does. about I, it. I, sh- I should probably go along, and reach out to him, see if I can get him on the podcast also, because he's uh, a wealth of information there. And those, uh, not only does he do a good job for his guys on his force, but he also uh, opens a lot of his classes up for civilians too, which is a, a great resource. Yeah. He's done some great stuff out there at that facility. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of people out there that are really starting. I think, you know, non-lethal training ammo is, is the, the direction of the future, I would hope. Um, the one thing that we do find is, you know, and I found I was never able to do the things that really truly needed to be done with the competitor's products because of the lack of reliability and accuracy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with our product now, the sky's the limit. I can, I can uh, run pistol classes to effective ranges that people can hit with pistols. All of our conversion kits are now coming out. I mean, right now we have the Gen 5 that is now Red Dot capable. Uh, comes out with the MOS plate um, and we're moving to gen four and let's just say there's going to be some other things that I think that the, you know, people instructing in the uh, public realm are going to be very happy with the next, in the next year to year and a half um, that will allow it open up, open up some more things. So um, we've, you know, we just, we are a reality based training company. We're not owned by a bigger entity that puts out widgets and gadgets uh, we are solely here for advancing reality-based training in, you know, in any realm, military, law enforcement, or even the shooting enthusiast avenue. So. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Hey, appreciate you again for coming on. Uh, we hopefully maybe in the, down the road, we can follow you up when they come out with new, new, uh, generations of uh, the UTM product lines and you can give us an update on those. So Absolutely. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We've got a few requests for our loyal and expanding listeners. If you have any ideas for new episodes, questions about episodes, or feedback, please email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Share this episode on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and encourage others to listen and to subscribe. Like and rate our podcasts on iTunes and Google Play. Visit our sponsors, especially the Fire Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe out there.
Concealed Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.